Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. We're here for our congregation of prayer today, Saturday, February 20th, 2021. It's good to have you with us here this morning. What we'd like to do on Saturday mornings is consider tomorrow's Old Testament and epistle reading. Um, maybe less obviously catechetical, but usually uh, refer to maybe what uh, Dr. Martin Luther has written, or um, as it's one of those texts is used in our Lutheran confessions. Sometimes you bring in other writings, uh, but those tend to be the focus. And uh, also, let's see, oh, I just got a notification that at this time tomorrow is the baptism of Dorothy Ann Gillespie, my daughter. So uh, we'll have a baptism tomorrow to begin our divine service. How lovely is that? All right. Let's get the devotion up on the screen and then we'll begin. There we are. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse one more time for this week. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. And our psalm, Psalm 107, verse 7, beginning in verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is from Genesis chapter 3. We had catechesis on this earlier this week, so uh, we'll simply just hear it today um, to get it fresh in our mind for tomorrow. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, 
We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among, uh, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God said to Adam, or excuse me, called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin, and clothed them. All right, so a couple things to note here, actually. Uh, the first uh, is that in the midst of the curses is the promise, right? So Genesis 3 verse 15, you can see here on your screen, is the uh, terrific promise made to Adam and Eve of the offspring, the seed, who will bruise the serpent's head. And of course, himself would be bruised on the heel, that is, by his suffering and death on the cross. All right, so you often see at the cross, you'll see a snake upon, you know, upon the ground being crushed. You also see skull and crossbones representing Adam, right? So we have, um, in Adam, we have death coming into the world, the knowledge of good and evil, namely of evil, because <laughs> they already knew what was good. They were living according to God's will and word. Um, but also you see um, you see the, the way that the serpent then rules um, this world, right? And only by Jesus is the serpent overcome. Only by Jesus is the foul reign of death ended. All right, so when we think of Christ and his cross, we are to think of the end of the rule of Satan, um, the end of the terror of death, and of course, the forgiveness of sins. All this is purchased and won for us by Christ on his cross. The, um, uh, what we'll hear tomorrow for our gospel reading is, of course, Christ's temptation by Satan in the wilderness, not in the, de- in the uh, garden, but in the wilderness, right? And you see then 
the garden being opened up to us as Christ himself overcomes the devil and his temptations for us. Right? So we see Christ being our high priest, but also being um, the new Adam, the one who, um, who abides by God's word, who listens to the word of his father and does it. Right? So we see this inversion or this uh, type and anti-type, the shadow and then the, the reality to come. So as you um, hear tomorrow of the, in the gospel reading, Christ overcoming the devil in the wilderness, think about uh, the inversion of that, which was the way that Adam and Eve fell into sin. All right, so we'll do a compare and contrast. We'll talk quite a bit about temptation tomorrow, I suspect. All right, our, our reading that we'll use for catechesis today is from Hebrews chapter 4, which we studied in our Wednesday evening Bible study oh, not that long ago. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right, so we see here in Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest. Um, in that he suffers in the same ways that we do, and yet does not fall into sin. So he becomes our substitute. One of the ways that we can uh, understand the New Testament is by way of the Old. In the case of Hebrews, um, we've been we talked about this in our Wednesday evening Bible study, which is on hiatus, of course, because of Advent midweek services. Um, but how up through I think chapter seven, it was really an exegesis or an interpretation of Psalm one ten. Verse 4, the Lord swore um, in an oath, right? You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Nope, that's not what I wanted to do. Sorry about that. Let's see. There we go. So uh, one of the ways we can interpret this is actually um, consider Psalm 110, verse 4. So again, uh, let me just read that for you. I did it from memory, but I don't think I got it quite right. Let's see. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right. So here's what Luther has to say about, uh, in part, about this verse. Actually, it was many, many pages. I think like 40 pages on this one verse. Christ's priestly office is the true and precious comfort for us poor and sinful people, as well as for all other burdened hearts. By this we see and hear that his kingdom on earth is not made up of superlative saints who are completely free from sin or perfectly holy. It is the function of the most exalted office which he exercises before God to deal with those who have weaknesses, frailties, and sins, and who therefore possess a shy, burdened, and disturbed conscience. He will not reject them or deal with them severely, measure for measure, with the threats and terrors of wrath and damnation. On the contrary, he seeks to attract and invite them in the most friendly, gentle, and pleasant manner to come to him, and to seek and expect comfort and help from him. As he also says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And again, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Therefore a priest is ordained for the sake of sinners. Their cause is his. It is his task to stand between God and sinners in order to reconcile them and to plead as the sinner's advocate. If people were holy and without sin, there would be no need of a priest to sacrifice and pray for them. But if we accept the Lord Christ as priest, it follows that we must believe and confess that we are sinners. God made Christ a priest 
for us, so that we should seek and find comfort and help against sin in him. For he is the one who gave himself as our sacrifice. This he did in order to reconcile us to God, to restore us to his grace, and to bestow spiritual power on us through his intercession, so that we can be rid of our sins and attain everlasting righteousness, holiness, and eternal life. Um, I'll keep going. It is for us, then, to learn how to use this priestly office for our comfort and strength. By faith, we must be sure that we truly have such a high priest in Christ, that he bestows his divine blessing and grace upon us by his word, or the preaching of the gospel, and that thereby he assures us of the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance of eternal life, which he earned and obtained for us by his sacrifice. Furthermore, we are to remember that daily and unceasingly he stands in the presence of the Father, diligently pleading in our behalf and presenting all our needs to him. Nor can there be the slightest doubt that his intercession thoroughly pleases the Father and obtains for us whatever he asks. And finally, Christ's intercession enables us in his name to dare to come to God directly in prayer and assures us that such prayers will be acceptable, heard, and approved. Is there anything more glorious or exalted than to know that as a high priest we have a man who is also the Son of God and who sits in majesty at the right hand of God? If we had the power to make a wish, Could we possibly desire anything greater or better than to have with God a mediator and advocate of this stature? Now we are told that God himself ordained this Christ. Indeed, he confirmed it, as we said before, with a sublime oath to be such a high priest and to sit at the right hand of the Father, especially for the purpose of preventing us from falling into any sort of wrath or disgrace, provided that we continue to believe in him. We are to look to him for comfort, help, and undiluted everlasting grace of the Father. Or some people say the 100, 100 and, uh, or 200 proof gospel, right? No, it's 100 proof, 200 proof, 100%, yes. Pure, undiluted. I think that's where we get it. <clears throat> How can the Father possibly refuse to hear this priest, his own beloved son? How can he refuse him anything he asks for? And Christ asks for nothing else than that which benefits us. Grace and mercy for us. Therefore, we are certain that when we pray, we ourselves pray in his name, God is pleased and will hear us out. Why should anyone have any further doubts or fears? Why not draw near to his throne of grace with joyful confidence, as is written in Hebrews 4.16? Rejoice with all our hearts in this high priest and find comfort in him. Right. So you see how Luther, <laughs> if you were with us on our uh, Hebrews Bible study, you'll know that Luther in basically preaching on Psalm 110 verse 4 is really drawing heavily on um, on the interpretation that is given in the book of Hebrews. Um, of course, because they both go together. Scripture interprets Scripture. All right. Uh, our Lutheran confessions also uh, refer to this text in the article, uh, article 4 on justification, but specifically on that we obtain forgiveness of sins through faith alone in Christ. All right. So, uh, talking about Christ and his atoning sacrifice, but let's do the first part actually here first. All right. To receive forgiveness of sins is to be justified, according to Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. By faith alone in Christ, not through love, not because of love or works, 
we receive the forgiveness of sins, although love follows faith. We talked about this uh, yesterday. Therefore, by faith alone, we are justified. We understand justification is the making of a righteous person out of an unrighteous one, or that a person is regenerated. It will become easy to state the minor premise that we receive forgiveness of sins by faith, not, not by love, if we know how forgiveness of sins happens. All right, so here's the key. How does Christ forgive us our sins? With great indifference, the adversaries dispute whether forgiveness of sins and the infusion of grace are the same change. They're not, by the way. <laughs> being useless men, they did not know how to answer this question. By the way, the adversaries being the medieval Roman church. In the forgiveness of sins, the terrors of sin and of eternal death must be overcome in the heart. Paul testifies about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 56-57. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, sin terrifies consciences. Sin terrifies consciences. This happens through the law, which shows God's wrath against sin. But we gain the victory through Christ. How? Through faith, when we comfort ourselves by confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. Therefore, we prove the minor premise. God's wrath cannot be appeased if we set our own works against it. For Christ has been set forth as the atoning sacrifice. So for his sake, the Father may be reconciled to us. But Christ is not received as a mediator except by faith. Therefore, by faith alone, we receive forgiveness of sins when we comfort our hearts with confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. I love that line. He said it now twice. When we comfort our hearts with the confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. Right? So it's all about trust in the promise of mercy for Christ's sake. This is why uh, Paul would say, we preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Likewise, Paul says in Romans 5, 2, through him we have obtained access and adds by faith. Therefore, we are reconciled to the Father and receive forgiveness of sins when we are comforted with confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. <laughs> That's not the third time he said it. In case you missed it. This is good catechesis by, uh, by Philip here. The adversaries regard Christ as mediator and atoning sacrifice for this reason, which is wrong, by the way. He has merited the habit of love. They do not encourage us to use him now as a mediator. They act as though Christ were certainly in the grave. They imagine that we have access to God through our own works. They think they merit this habit through these and afterward by this love come to God. Is this not to bury Christ altogether and to take away the entire teaching of faith? Paul, on the contrary, teaches that we have access to God that is reconciliation through Christ. To show how this happens, he adds that we have access by faith. By faith, for Christ's sake, we receive forgiveness of sins. We cannot set up our own love and our own works against God's wrath. Second, it is certain that our sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ as our atoning sacrifice, whom God put put forward as a propitiation, Romans 3. Furthermore, Paul adds, by faith. Therefore, this atonement benefits us in this way. We receive the mercy promised in him by faith and set it against God's wrath and judgment. All right, so what do you hold before God in judgment? Not your own works, not your love, but rather Christ and his, his mercy uh, on the cross. To the same effect, it is written in Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Since then we have a great high priest, let us then with confidence draw near. The apostle tells us to come to God, not with confidence in our own merits, but with the confidence in Christ as high priest. The apostle requires faith. 
and then there's more. All right. Uh, let's see. The third part is um, again when we believe in Him, so He requires faith. Fourth, forgiveness of sins is something promised for Christ's sake. We've received by faith alone. It can only be received by faith. All right. And then He gives many scriptures to affirm this passage. So, so note here again uh, the takeaway is this. Uh, let's see if I can find it again. We are reconciled to the Father and receive forgiveness of sins when we are comforted with the confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. So everything you hear in the church um, is leading to or giving that mercy promised in Christ Jesus. Right? That is forgiveness of sins. And uh, we take great comfort here knowing that we have a high priest, we have a Christ Jesus who knows our sin and can well provide for us then. All right. And one of the ways he provides that forgiveness of sins, of course, is in his body and blood, in the Lord's Supper. So we confess. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The Holy Evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, and remembrance of me. We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, by your own words, you have instituted the Lord's Supper, teaching us to believe that it is your true body and blood under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. We give thanks to you for this precious gift. Give us true faith in your words that we might receive your body and blood for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation as you have promised. In your holy name we pray. Amen. On this Saturday we pray for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for all pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for all our first responders, doctors, nurses, those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. Pray for an end to all fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry, trusting that God provides all that is needed for every circumstance. Pray for Uh, Deliverance from all authoritarian, tyrannical, and dictatorial rule, and those who would restrict or censor our faith, as well as our rights to speech, press, assembly, and redress of grievances. Pray the Lord grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness and their blessings, that he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today we rejoice with Sharon, who celebrates for her uh, birthday, and with Courtney, who celebrates her baptism. Of course, I rejoice with my family at the birth of my daughter last Sunday, and uh, give thanks to God that he will bring her to the waters of baptism tomorrow. We ask the Lord grant healing for those who are ill or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, Sandy, Linda, and Ken, Aaron, and Penny. Pray for the our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, as well as the missions and mercy work of the church, Sheboygan Lutheran High School, Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy. Prayer Collect for this week. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn, O Lord, we praise thee. Grace and favor that we follow Christ 
our Savior, and live together here in love and union, nor despise this blessed communion. O Lord, have mercy. Let not thy God's spirit forsake us, grant that heavenly-minded he make us. Thy church, Lord, to see days of peace and unity. O Lord, have mercy. All right, many blessings to you today on this Saturday. I hope to see you tomorrow, if at all possible, in person. Otherwise, I'm streaming from our sanctuary. We'll celebrate the first Sunday of Lent. In Lent? In Lent, not of Lent. I get this straight. In Lent, uh, which will be a day of much rejoicing, of course, beginning with baptism. Uh, We'll hear how our Lord has saved us from sin, death, and hell, as he was tempted like us in every way, yet without sin. Of course, we'll receive Christ's body and blood our forgiveness, life, and salvation. So you really get all the sacraments all in one day. Gospel, preaching, forgiveness of sins, baptism, Lord's Supper. It'll be a joyous day. So uh, join us for that. Also, if you're a member of the parish, uh, make plans to stay afterward for our quarterly congregation assembly. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you then.